Welcome to Unscripted Real Estate, where our main goal is educating and informing future and current homeowners, guided by our experience and deep compassion to mortgage lending. Unscripted Real Estate is powered by Icon Mortgage. Without Icon Mortgage, the show does not go on. Thank you all listeners and future listeners for joining Unscripted Real Estate in our first time homebuyer series. I'm your inquisitive host, Ryan Davis, joined by compassionate industry leading professionals, Summer Kim Davis and John Lucas. Oh yeah. So cool. I know, right? Yeah. Mortgage machine. All righty. Well, today in episode three, we will be discussing the do's and don'ts. Yes. And for the most part, the do's are critical in the pre-planning phase and the don'ts are more critical once you're actively in the loan process. Yeah. Remember, our goal is to guide you, the home buyers, to the healthiest financial situation leading you into home ownership. And to minimize stress and frustration in the pre-planning and loan process phases. You know, due to emotions and the happiness that homeownership brings, uh, it's common to see people make large purchases around the same time that they're buying a home. Um, I've seen this happen, these types of stories sometimes shared on like social media and stuff. You see a brand new car parked in front of the brand new house that hasn't, you know, quite closed yet. Um, <laughs> so, you know, people are overwhelmed with joy when they're buying these new homes and, you know, they, they tend to not think of those things, but, um, you know, you only find out later that you just potentially put your approval at risk by adding that new liability. So we're going to talk about some of those things. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, it's, it's all about the image, right, on social media. Um, but, you know, in, in the end, it's, it's more than that. And like I said earlier, the do's uh, we recommend in the initiating in the pre-planning phase, um, this really helps reducing the amount of stress that you're going to be taking on once it comes time to produce those documents. So having them in a centralized location makes it much easier to access them. Um, for instance, tax returns, those are, those are the ones we always have to dig out of the closet and it's, it's a pain. And once you start doing that, the stress levels go up. So we're trying to help that help reduce that. And by, by keeping good record keeping, uh, you, you know where they're at and you could easily access them and share those. Additionally, we are preserving the plans of becoming homeowners. So seemingly small decisions do not take you off your path and you don't even know it. Um, for instance, often home buyer or home buyers or, or just people in general changing jobs, whether they're, you know, switching companies, whether they're getting promoted and that's all good, you know, because at the end of the day you want to progress your career and that's, that is very important. But while you're doing that it is, it is always good to keep uh, the, the mortgage advisor up to date because in this process we see it as a team you know, we're trying to help you while you're, you know, 
performing the actions that need to be done. So just consulting with your mortgage advisor when there are those small decisions like that, especially when they have to do with your finances, it's always good to you know keep them in I the loop. I have a good story to back you up, Ryan. I had a... Uh we, we had a family uh, moved to Texas from California. They're a great family, great couple. Um, they both had a great job um, working in a high-end hotel industry and management. And, you know, they found a home. The loan process went smoothly, and we got a final approval. Everything just went easy breezy. So, and we were about a week ahead of our schedule, mm-hmm. so we're just ready to close and loan went to closing. And then we got a call from closing manager. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> and um, so what's going on? And they are saying, well, we just found out this borrowers, they're <laughs> switching jobs. I was like, what do you mean? And we're like, okay, we need to call our borrowers to make sure that if that's the case. So we called them and we found out that that to be true. I guess what happened was they got a better offers, you know, from other companies, both of them. So they thought that they got a final approval and they thought that they're ready to close. Everything is good. And they accepted the offer, you know, give their current employers notice and starting the job right after closing. <laughs> so in their mind, they did everything the right way, but didn't really realize that we now have a problem mm-hmm. because we would have to um, send the file back to underwriting. Yeah. The thing is, the loan was approved with their current employment information. And now we know that they're starting a new job right, right. after closing. We need to reapprove the loan with a new employment. Well, this situation is okay, but it's going right. to take time and delay the process. Yeah, because they're, they're progressing their career, um, and that's important to the borrowers. We're not trying to hinder that. We just... You know, there's things that we could do to prepare mm-hmm. uh, in the loan process to make it easier. Yeah, it could have been it, w- it could have been much better if they consulted uh, yeah. with us before they actually exactly. made, the, yeah. made the switch. You know, that actually reminds me of another story. It's kind of like that. Um, it's also been years ago, but kind of playing to the you know make sure you're not opening new lines of credit and, you know, et cetera. But one of our clients, I think his wife had gotten into a car accident or her, she had some mechanical issues uh, with the car. Um, I want to say this happened on late in the week, Thursday, somewhere around there. We were scheduled to close. Docs were out. Docs were at the title company. And um, the borrower did call. They called and asked us if they could buy a new car. And we said, Hey, let's wait till we close. You know, this is going to, you know, we have to delay closing in this uh, instance. If we, if we do it today, they said, okay, but I guess over the weekend they found a deal that they couldn't resist. (laughs) And we get a call Monday uh, once again from closing saying, Hey, we see a new trade line on their credit report. So of course we call and go, Hey, we're, you know, we're set up to close tomorrow. Um, What is this credit inquiry? And they go, well, we bought a new car. So, you know, we had to send everything back to underwriting. We hit, you know, provided them the new payment. And what it actually did, that payment was too big. They did not qualify 
or that house any longer. So we had to pull little strings and make a few phone calls, arrange with the dealership uh, to let them actually return the car. <laughs> and surprisingly, <laughs> they did it. Um, and we were able to close on time. But, you know, that that's a one-off chance. I mean, if they said no, then they could have lost their house. And it's very serious. I just yeah. wanted to uh, uh, mention, before I forget, so we do do, uh, you know, uh, verification in during closing. So people often think that, okay, we got a final approval. Everything is ready to go. So that's when you have to be careful not to make any changes or pull credit, anything like that, because we, you know, put you in a monitoring system. So whatever you check credit, it's going to trigger us. We, it's going to alert us that you did it. So, <laughs> so, and then same thing for em- employment. We're going to do the verification. Sometimes it's, we do it a day before, or sometimes you do at the day of closing. So make sure that you communicate with your mortgage advisor. Yeah. And wait on that refrigerator. Surprises. You know, wait, wait, right. wait on ordering that furniture yeah. until wait, the loan wait, is funded. Wait on the sectional count. Go know. pick it out. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. You don't want to. You don't want to wind up with a sectional yeah. and not a house. Nowhere to put it. You know. <laughs> Anyways, well, you know, during the oftentimes borrowers, you know, especially especially first time home buyers, will will get gift funds to be able to purchase a house, and like I said, yeah. keeping good records. Is critical. You know, you can receive funds, but they need to be received the right way. That way they could be sourced um, back to a legitimate source, not mm-hmm. whatever, you know, something illegal. That's, that's really what they're trying to do. So if you do get large deposits, you know, you want to make sure, like, like a gift fund, you want to make sure that um, you're able to use that for your, for your mortgage and it doesn't mm-hmm. disqualify you. Yeah. Yeah, keeping good documents. Um, that's including, you know, if you are opening new accounts, you have to keep records of your old bank statements, at least the last uh, statements of that. We don't recommend you to, you know, open new accounts or, you know, changing accounts and things like that, you know, if possible. But if for some whatever reason you have to do it, make sure that you save copies of the lost statement. The reason is, you know, you're going to, we would have to trace the deposit that you made to open new accounts. And we're going to have to source that um, from the lost bank statements to verify the withdrawal amount and matching up to your new deposit made into your new account. Summer, that reminds me of a time. It just makes me flash back. A story my <laughs> wife told me. Um, she used to be in the mortgage business many years ago. And there was a time, I remember saying, you know, there was a, a file that came through and there was a cash deposit, which, hey, there's reasons for have a cash deposit, right? But if you have good records, you can provide it. So they ask, of course, the gentleman, what is this $1,400 deposit for? He said, I sold my motorcycle. No big deal. That's legitimate. You can sell your motorcycle. Just get a bill of sale and and prove that that's where it came from. But the underwriter, I think, was a little suspicious for some reason because they asked for a couple more extra months of bank statements going back even further, which they can do. Um, and they found out that there was this $1,400 deposit was kind of happening every month around the same date. Um, obviously, he's probably not selling 
all this motorcycle. So, <laughs> you know, they, there wasn't a really great explanation for that. And they weren't able, you know, to actually do the loan, I believe. Uh, it's been a long time. But well, um, what, what was it? Did he ever tell him? N- yeah, um, no one ever, no one ever knew. <laughs> yeah, once you lie to him like that, I think you're pretty much toast. Yeah, you know, so uh, the moral of the story is, you know, transparency up front. I mean, if you have a legitimate source of income that's coming in, we, you know, we need to know what it is up front. So we have an explanation. Are we using those funds? Can we back them out? There's a lot of other uh, details to it. So just make sure to be truthful up front because no matter what, we will find out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, most likely that will happen. And, you know, there is the occasion, because I remember growing up, my grandfather, he had a ton of change. You know, he's <laughs> just collecting this. But I have a story. You know, this is the story episode, I guess. Yeah. Um, pillow and shoebox money is a real thing. And whether it's it's a legitimate, you know, collection of money or, or illegal, I don't know. But I have a story just to kind of illustrate you know, it is kind of common. I used to work at like a resale place, food bank. When I was in college, I used to drive a truck and uh, I used to pick up all their stuff. And I, I got there early just to get ready to go out and pick up stuff. And one morning, you know, we there was a guy there. He was dropping off, you know, tons of shoes. And, uh, you know, I helped bring him inside and then went on my way. The next day I come in and there's a lady, you know, looking in the windows. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, it's... 6 a.m. on Tuesday, <laughs> and this is a resale store. Right. So uh, I went up, and I was talking to her, and she's, like, freaking out, and she's like, my husband donated some my shoes yesterday, and I had a ton of money in there, but, you know, and long story short, there was, like, over 10, she said over 10 grand was in the shoebox, wow. and the shoebox was not in the store, and it was never found. Oh, I don't know what happened to it, but... Um, there was obviously a feud going on there, and the husband was getting rid of some shoes that shouldn't have been, you know, donated. But you know, shoebox money is a real thing, and there's mm-hmm. a there's a legit way to uh, deposit that in your account without, you know, hindering your loan. Yep. I mean, you could you know you can make deposits to your accounts if you have you know for that uh situation she could have just deposited ten thousand dollars or whatever she can provide an explanation and she mm-hmm. she should have been fine i don't know what happened but speaking of large deposit um a lot of clients ask us you know wh- what is the amount you know is there mm-hmm. a set amount that that is considered as large deposits it is actually depending on your income level. It's not, there's no set amount. I would say good rule of thumb. It's, you know, anything over $500 to $1,000. Absolutely. Because if you think about it, it you know, your gross monthly income is $5,000. $500 is already 10% of your income. So unless your, your in- income is significantly higher than average income, but, um, yeah, so, you know, it's best to consult with your mortgage advisors again, you know, because everybody is different and their situation is unique. So, um, yeah. You know, y'all are going to think I'm crazy. I'm, we're storytelling here, and I just thought of something else. That I love stories. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so credit inquiries, we're talking about, you know, you got to let, let us know if you're going to do this. But have you ever thought about maybe you would accidentally do a credit inquiry? Because I can tell you, 
It happens way more frequently than you would think. And it happens to everybody. You could be the smartest person, a meticulous, an accountant, uh, you know, and everybody uh, can have, it can happen to. So I can think of two examples that happened to me recently. Um, You know, my client, she's very savvy, you know, accountant, and she goes into a store that she doesn't frequent. She was buying her grandkids some clothes, got the offer at the desk for 25% off the order. Well, being an accountant and seeing a good deal, you know, she hadn't opened a credit card in like 10 years, decided in processing that she was just going to open the credit card and get the, get the discount and pay it off, which she did. And then, of course, I called her and she busted out laughing, saying, I know better, John. I'm a seasoned home buyer. I cannot believe that I did that. And we had a good laugh. Um, you know, it didn't prevent her from getting her house by any means, but it did make her have a little extra work to do in order to, um, you know, we had to provide documentation. So this happens to everybody. It happens. Mm-hmm. New yeah. and seasoned buyers. Exactly. <laughs> and I had another one recently. They had no clue. I said, hey, you had a credit inquiry. And they're like, what do you mean? I, I didn't open any credit cards. We kept thinking about it. She kept thinking about it and then realized, I think she had accidentally signed up because she thought she was registering to win a prize at a grand opening at a store. And it was, you know, it was a significant prize. It was something like a boat, you know? So, you know, she put her information down <laughs> and, but had no clue that she was actually opening a credit card. And, you know, once again, it wasn't a big deal. We kind of had a laugh about it and she realized, I can't believe I gave all that information out. And, well, you didn't get the boat, you know, but you got a credit <laughs> card. Got a credit card. <laughs> and by the way, it's a $500 annual for Right. Oh <laughs> so, God. you know, so just, you know, be aware it can happen. Okay. So, all right. So I, I wanted to summarize what we talked about. We share a lot of stories, but I just wanted to kind of uh, give you guys a couple um, pointers. So keeping good records of documents such as payrolls, taxes, bank statement, do not change jobs during processing. Do not make major purchases or um, open new credit cards you know, open uh, new bank accounts without consulting mm-hmm. with mortgage advisors. Yeah, that is very good advice. We want to make the process as streamlined and as comfortable as possible. So, yes, you know, don't do um, the things we mentioned and do do the things that we mentioned as well. That will help you a lot throughout the process. So um, we appreciate you guys joining us today. And if you liked what we had to say, give us a five-star review or a quick comment. Um, If you enjoyed the topics, visit us at Icon Mortgage to speak with our mortgage advisors. And also connect with us on LinkedIn and Facebook. In episode four, we will discuss finding a good realtor. That's a good one right there. And remember... Unscripted real estate is powered by Icon Mortgage. Thank you for joining today. Remember, planning ahead and buying smart. And remember this, planning for your future as a homeowner can start today. 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 Actually, I want to add something else here since we're about the story mode. Everybody lived happily ever after. Right. Yeah. (laughs) We guided them to, to happiness. The end. The end.